0: This is Leafs Lunch with Brian Hayes, Jamie McLennan,
1: and Jeff O'Neill. Brought to you by Leasebusters. Busters. Ah, relief from your car lease? Go to LeaseBusters.com on TSN 1050 Toronto.
0: Face off. One by Toronto. Toronto scores.
2: Gary Roberts will join us in studio throughout the hour. He's coming up here in about two or three minutes. The O-Dog is back. Jamie noodles McLennan, I'm Brian Hayes. This is Leafs Lunch, TSN 1050, online, tsn1050.ca. A lack of foresight, I would say, having Gary Roberts come in today because it is barbecue day down here at CTV, <laughs> and I've got a burger waiting
3: for me. Really? I'm going to be terrified. I remember that goal, by the way. That was in the playoffs against Ottawa, I believe. And we were sitting there waiting for the Leafs. Oh, you guys had already gotten through?
1: Oh, yeah. So you were watching it saying, I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is go after Gary Roberts. That's what I would do. Was that your game plan? You've got to pinpoint. Go after some of the guys. He was stiff. He was an old stiff. Couldn't (laughs) skate anymore. (laughs) That was the game
2: plan back in 2002, (laughs) I guess it would have been.
1: Try and get physical on him early on and then see what happens? No, the idea was to avoid him, Jamie. Believe me, I played with him. I avoided him. He was on my team. And, and I you
3: know what? We him. can ask him, but there's a lot of people that believe that some of those Leafs teams, if they kind of paid attention to defense a little more, they could have gone further onto the Stanley Cup Finals and maybe won one. But it was just kind of do whatever you want for the Leafs.
1: They had and Cujo. And the Canes
3: capitalized on it. You
1: had Cujo. Did they not? Yeah, They but had not? Cujo. Yeah, back so, in... But when you have somebody like that, you just... I know. And oh, you were one of these forwards you say hello to the goaltender and goodbye at the start of the game and you see him? Yeah, but in Carolina we actually later.
3: had a system. The Leafs had zero
2: systems and that's how we exposed them. Who's your goalie in 02? Erbey. artist Erbey.
1: you talk about bad gear, bad bucket. No everything. wonder you
2: needed a system with him between the pipes. Oh, <laughs> well, exactly,
1: right. Archie Erbey.
2: All right, he's in here. Here he is. Gary Roberts, what's happening, Gary?
0: Not much, guys. I'm on vacation. I'm uh, just relaxing uh, at the gym for a couple hours a day, cleaning up some of my uh, stuff from the summer, and now it's uh, my wife and I are heading on a vacation next Friday. So you're done? Weeks.
3: All the guys are out? They're yeah, gone two, to camps? Yeah,
0: we got, we got two guys left in town. Everybody's gone to camps, and uh, I can take a breath and relax for a little while.
1: Is it basically throughout the summer, you know, for lack of a better words, all hell breaking loose because you have so many guys in there and you try and slot them in properly to get the... The proper attention put it that way.
0: Yeah there's no doubt it's uh, becoming more of a challenge for me in the location I'm in. It's a good location but I don't have enough space so I took my top 30 guys up to St. Andrews College and we use their facility on Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer it was a beautiful facility and uh, they've now have their own rink there so so that's a possibility for me moving forward to take my top pro program and move up to St. Andrews College and and continue with the stuff at the Fitness Institute with the other 70 or 80 young players that we have developing.
3: Rob's you're getting obviously big everybody wants to train with you young old have you ever do you have any big ideas about a major complex where there may be a rink and just some big, massive structure that you can get all your work done. Well, I definitely
0: looked into that. and um, I mean, I know, know
3: there's dollars and cents I mean, involved. you've
0: got lots of money, so maybe you want to donate some money <laughs> to yeah. I, start your I do not invest and I, in I'll give you a free membership.
1: <laughs> What's that going to do? Yeah, he's never going to be there.
0: <laughs> but uh, definitely for me, uh, I, I definitely need to expand. I love yeah. what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. And uh, it's become, uh, for me, uh, the second best thing to play in hockey and um, it's just how we do that and there's only one of me and I have a young family at home too so my wife's saying okay you can do this 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 and this but you're not doing that and uh, it's definitely uh, a challenge trying to balance uh, lifestyle and and business and I I know that's for for all of us we go through that so that's my challenge but uh, like I said I got to find a way to do it because I'd like to reach more people and that's my goal is to get this information and out to younger players that are trying to develop and hopefully help uh, some of those players uh, develop into the players that
2: they could be. How many of the players travel from outside of the city just to be a part of this gym?
0: Yeah, we have now players that come in and, and board for the summer, and that's you know one of our challenges, obviously, is, is finding uh, places for, for guys to live and stay and organizations to send their prospects. So it's, it's becoming more of a challenge for me to... To manage that, but uh, in the same token, it's nice that guys are reaching out to us uh, in Christmas time now of every year and, and saying, "Hey, I want to be part of the program this year. What do I do?" Uh, so, uh, like a guy like Derek Roy this year joined the program, and and Derek be the first to that he hasn't paid a lot of attention to his summer training program. Um, he's lived in uh, Lake of Bays every summer, and he's 31 years old and realizes now like he's got a he's had a couple of years where he's been injured and haven't had great years and and he wants to extend his career and it's funny like at 31 and this is what i tell everybody now if you're not doing the right things in your 20s you can get away with it sure but it's a pretty quick drop off at 30. Well, you get out of the li-
3: game at 31 you huh? lose
0: your speed you, you lose a little lose your power lose your speed lose a little strength your foot speed goes and you can't play anymore and it's acting at 31 to guys where it used to be 38 or 39 mm-hmm. the game is just that fast and uh, i think that's the biggest thing i noticed in skating the players on the ice i actually partaked in the scrimmage uh, two thursdays ago put my full gear on a couple guys got uh, banged up in the first scrimmage that we had so i went in full gear and played and played four games and uh and slashed a lot of guys, and took a few in (laughs) off my butt, Jeff, like I used to do. And and everybody said, you should still be playing. And, like, I could do it that day, and the next day I couldn't spread my legs two inches to walk down the street, because those (laughs) guys are flying around the ice. And I think that's the difference. It's the speed of the game. People just don't comprehend how fast the game is today.
1: It's interesting. I mean, when you talk about the players that want to join your program, do you have... Not a protocol, so, so you find room for a guy like Derek Roy who wants to extend his career at 31, but are there certain guys that you you have to kind of lay the law down and say, listen, you know, this is a full commitment here. If you make a half ass commitment, you're getting the gate.
0: Yeah, and that's 100%. Like a guy like Derek Roy who sounded really motivated, he, he called me on his way home from St. Louis. I enjoy that challenge, right? Like yeah. now I'm going to look at this winter and it kind of gives me satisfaction. If Derek Roy comes out and has a great start and playing well and I've had an opportunity to help him with that, then that's that's why I do what I do. Guys that by August aren't making any gains, I'm looking at the guy going, well, why are you here? Why are you here? What are you doing away from here? You're here for three hours, two, three hours a day. What are you doing the other 20 hours of the day? Obviously, you're not doing the right things because you haven't made
1: the same progress as, as player A. You find that, you know, maybe it's, you have a big name in it now. So I, I don't want to, you know, throw anybody under the bus, but somebody who joins your program and says, well, I've been training with Gary Roberts all summer. I, I've got to be in great shape, you know, and, and they may have put the work in, but like you say, 20 hours away, they're at the bar, they're living their life a little bit.
2: It's like the biggest like, loser. The guy right. goes to the camp for six months, goes home for three weeks, and throws on 30 pounds Yeah. So, I mean, that's, the donuts are back out. That
1: could be the, the trick of it all, too. I mean, everyone can say, yeah, I worked with Rob's this summer, but did you really you know, commit hour in, hour out?
2: Well, and I also wonder how it affects the team's perception, right? Because of the reputation you've built up, players start hearing, or teams start hearing, their players are going to see you. Do you find that some of the teams are are expecting the player to just be in incredible shape, almost unfair shape because of the reputation you've built up?
0: Yeah, and and, and listen, what can you accomplish in three months? And I tell everybody this. It's it's years of quality training that gets you to where you want to go. It's not one summer. You can come and learn a lot in one summer, and if you can apply that yourself and go do it on your own, then all the power to you. But it takes more than one summer to become a better player, to become more fit, to be to change your lifestyle. It's more, as we all know, it's more about lifestyle choices than it is just training. And once you put it all together, you get guys that buy in at a young age, like a Stamkos, who buys into the lifestyle, buys into the training, buys into the treatment, buys into the nutrition. It's all those elements of the program that make the guy I think J.J. That.
3: Watt said it best. He just signed a $100 million contract with the Houston Texans. He said, I got... 20 years to play football, maybe. And I got the rest of my life to drink beers with my buddy, so I'm just going <laughs> to commit to this. And he was at the gym after he signed the deal.
0: Yeah, at like 4.30 in, in the morning. morning.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild. Him.
0: And that's where you have to be today. That is is that. That is just the game. And if you want to be an the elite so athlete... <laughs> <to these> <laughs> There's so much money
3: available to these guys.
0: There's so much money. And there was money when we played we weekend. Yeah. We thought we were making lots of money, too. We
3: were. We and,
0: were. Right? We were making lots of money. And, and, and all the power to those guys, if that's what the market is, and, and those guys are putting the work in... I like to see guys get rewarded that do the work. The guys that are getting rewarded for not doing the work, that's where I have my problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can get away you.
0: with it for a few years, but eventually, at 30 years old, you are done as an elite player if you're not doing the right things away from the rink.
2: Gary Roberts in studio. You mentioned the speed of the game. Uh, McKenzie was on with the boys yesterday on TSN Drive. And I guess players that have been working out with Nathan McKinnon are just raving about this kid. Like, he's, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. And I think he's only 19 yeah. or 20. And I think it was Pierre Maguire that was saying this either yesterday morning, maybe he was on uh, TSN Radio Montreal, and he, he was relaying a story that Patrice Bergeron had told him. He was talking with Bergeron. Bergeron said, every single year you notice the pace go up. Like, every single year. Um, you guys were in the league for a long time. Did you notice that back then, or is this something new where it is elevating the pace every single year in 2014? Well, I would say that when the rule of changes happened, <clears throat>
0: you couldn't hook and hold anymore, you couldn't interfere, that's when you start to see the pace of the game picking up and, and where the big defensemen, if they couldn't skate, they couldn't play. And... The teams that strived on having big defensemen like the Flyers, they struggled defensively because you couldn't clutch and grab anymore.
1: Well, I I noticed that too. But, you know, (coughs) is there a point where I think the speed is almost too much? And I know that's kind of asinine to say, but you've seen a lot of guys get injured coming, you know, coming through the middle. And there's young guys and the league is a young league. (laughs) But maybe they haven't learned properly to, to go. Well Jamie the bottom through line the neutral is, zone would run routes. The, the bottom line is there's probably
3: maybe seven to eight guys on every team that might be the one of some of the most best conditioned athletes in the world, but at the end of the day they can't make a ten foot pass. Yeah. So you can train all you want and be
0: in shape, but Yeah, it doesn't always correlate to being a good hockey player. And I tell of course them, not. If, if, if an organization calls me and so says, What about this kid? Uh, he works hard in the gym. He's committed. He's got a great lifestyle. Yeah, but Absolutely. he might be a pylon on the might ice. Not, might, he might not be a good player, right? That's why I do a lot more stuff on the ice with the guys today than I have in the past, to be able to give
3: a true report card of that player. I was just going to ask you that. How <laughs> close in contact are you with these guys' coaches? Are they calling you daily, weekly, monthly to say what are these guys up to? I'm surprised that more strength coaches Throughout the league, don't
0: reach out to me in the summertime. They're intimidated. To, to get, That's what it is. And I'm like, and I tell everybody that calls me, guys, I have nothing to hide. I'm more than happy. You want to come in? You want to spend a week? you Want to spend two weeks? Hang out at my gym, watch the programs. I, it isn't rocket science. The bottom line is, it's player development through teaching kids, young young men, how to live their life. And and really, if you want to do it, the information's there. If you don't want to do it, then okay, you'll get you'll you'll improve a little bit because the training's good but you won't improve to where you need to be the best you can be.
2: Gary Roberts in studio for the full hour. We'll get his thoughts on the Maple Leafs going into this new season, what he thought of the offseason, where the game is going. Uh, as we continue this conversation all hour with Gary Roberts. I'm Brian Hayes, the ODOG Jeff O'Neill, Jamie Noodles, McLennan around the table. This is Leafs Lunch, online, tsn1050.ca.
0: TSN Drive with Dave Mailer, today, 4 to 7. Now, we continue with Leafs Lunch, brought to you by LeaseBusters Busters on TSN 1050.
3: I had a situation with Gary Roberts, I know you're very close with him. We were eating breakfast one day and he told me that the ketchup on my omelette had a lot of sugar in it and that was not good for me. Did you ever have a situation where you said you're a good friend of mine but just back off right now? Let's just say from time to time
0: I have seen a scoop of ice cream in his mouth, so, uh, uh, you know, but I, I, I will say that it was probably organic ice cream, so there you go, Robs.
2: That's as far as uh, Joe Neuendijk was willing to go outing you, Gary Roberts. Well, it actually, uh, it's actually, it's Joan birthday today. Really?
0: really? And so I just left him a voicemail. I said, I'm actually heading into TSN radio. Happy birthday, you old goat. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to hear about the ice cream comment today. So it didn't take you guys long. One commercial break.
2: No, exactly. Well, we were saying this prior to having you in. Um, bad timing for us because it's barbecue day here at <laughs> TSN. What are you having today, guys? Well, I'm crushing a burger over here in between the break. These guys are p- <coughs> trying to pretend as if, well, They're I, being I healthy because no, you're around. I
1: usually don't roll. I, I, I mean, I don't go after the barbecue, although I, I do enjoy it. It's just... Uh,
0: <laughs> I know you do.
1: I just haven't ha- I won't have it today. Just
0: have the barbecue and not the white bunnies eating over there. Yeah, that's, that's the, the problem.
2: Thing. This thing's about a three pound bun. Dude just, just don't worry about the white bun, all right? We're in the radio. Nobody <laughs> <laughs>
1: cares we here are, about the white bun. We are idiot. gonna be in T V soon though,
0: I'll tell you. Yeah, that. that's right. And you know T V, right? I don't know if you checked any of the your highlights last year, but you do look about fifteen heavier on TV. <laughs> yes,
3: a lot 40. heavier
2: than you do on you look pretty light on radio.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the great that's the goal, Robs. That's the goal. <laughs> no.
2: Look, look as good as you can behind the mics. That's the beauty of, of a radio show on TV, though. Is we've got the computers kind of blocking us out. We've got the, the desk blocking us out. Um, so we're not in the worst spot. Well, i, I got to say, like I, Jeff O'Neill,
0: uh, you know, we have a real great relationship over the years training, and I uh, it was up to the Bobby Orr Golf Tournament about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I drove through Gravenhurst, and I drove along that road that heads into to Bala, and I saw the the dreaded baseball field that Jeff O'Neill and I used to do sled pulls in the morning, Saturday mornings. But rather, I always made it Saturday mornings, right? So he had to kind of behave himself Friday night. And, it was uh, ugly,
3: man. It was ugly.
0: So I, I, I just he did a, he did a sled pull, and I turned my back, and he was off to the outhouse. For and a deuce
3: <laughs> and then a barf and then it was it came,
0: it, a car it came out. Home. <laughs> I said eh, car
3: that, home <laughs> for a week. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> move for a week.
0: So I had to chuckle. I drove by that that field I, I think it just, just I the same laughed. Thing. That I laughed field all the just, way. I laughed like all the way by thinking, Oh my gosh, that was the sight of the Jeff O'Neill sled pulling and he uh, You almost killed him, huh? Yeah, But we did have some great summers up there yeah, and it was fun. I think that Jeff would attest that uh, we had our fun, but we did our work, too, and he was, uh, he was in uh, pretty good shape uh, back then. You know, yeah. I know
3: he's a good example. Do you think the guy, I mean, there's a lot of talk in Toronto about Phil Kessel that maybe he doesn't pay that much attention to his training. And then there's the argument, well, he's going to play 82 games and he's going to score 35 goals. So is it, do you take that, that's pretty damn good, he makes $8 million, or is it always going to be the question, well, what could it have been? What right. are your thoughts on <laughs> that? Because you can't really discredit 82 games a year, never yeah. injured that much, and he gets you get your 35 goals.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I, I think he's an unbelievable uh, athlete to be able. There's no if, question. And I don't know Phil uh, personally, but if he's not paying attention to his nutrition and his training, uh, he's a very gifted athlete. Uh, but I've said, like I said, a lot of players that that if he isn't doing his work, uh, at, when he reaches that 30 age the likelihood it is he's... He won't be able to pull it off. He won't be able to pull it off. And then is it too late to start changing your training in order to extend your career to continue to be that elite player? Because he's not going to be a third or fourth line guy ever. But you can see the power in his legs. You can see his speed. Yes, you can see that, you know, not everybody has great power, great speed, and great endurance. Everyone's got weaknesses, right? Right. So so I was an endurance guy, not a lot of speed. You were... You hey, were
3: hey, the track, I would destroy you in the 100 meters. Right? But the 400 crawling at, up, 100 and f- f- at 150
0: i was passing you <laughs> and by 300 you were like way behind me right but it's true though we're, we're not all gifted with with speed power and endurance and phil's weakness obviously is his endurance but how much endurance does phil do before it affects his speed and that's the key to training phil kessel and that's where i would say a guy like stamkos he had all kinds of speed no strength so how do we give him strength without losing his, losing speed? And I think it, it, that's why I'm in what the business I'm in is to try and figure out what each player individually needs to improve.
1: Well, you said earlier that you can't just turn it on. So, you know, a guy who's been so naturally gifted, and we're 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 bringing up Phil Kessel, but we've we've all played with a million of them throughout our careers. You look at these guys, and you could say <laughs> they could skate forever. They could skate forever, and. But at some point, injuries start to come into play. And is that where, you know, you could maybe see the first sign uh, of a guy, an elite player, eroding is, you know, they get more oft injured at, an, at a <coughs> later age, and they can't recover. And is, is something like that a telltale? I mean, we're all sitting here and saying, okay, Phil is going to give you, you know, close to 40 goals every year, 82 games, and he, you can bank on it every year, but, you know, he has been knock-on-wood healthy. All of a sudden... You know, the recovery, the groins, the hip flexors, all of that, they start to go a little bit. Is that something where, you know, you'd be really concerned about as his career goes on because he hasn't taken care of himself as far as, you know, diet, stretching. I mean, stretching's a big part of it, is it not?
0: Yeah, maintenance, like definitely soft tissue work, whether it's stretching, whether it's a combination of a massage or ART, something to release adhesions that are starting to develop over over overuse. Right, and skating, you're overusing your hip flexors every day. If you're not getting some type of tra- treatment on those muscles, eventually they're going to get tight. And eventually, as you get older, the tissue doesn't repair every day, and eventually, you're you're more
2: susceptible to being injured. You mentioned the balance, like we talk about that all the time, especially with with smaller guys who have a ton of speed, but we say they've got to bulk up and like how you keep that balance. Um, I always find interesting. Like William Nylander is going to be the talk of the town in the next week or two. Smaller guy, tons of skill, but by all accounts, 5'11", 170. Right. How do you get them to 190, 195, but keep the foot speed and yeah, keep the talent?
0: That happens over time. You know, like you just don't, I hear the kids say, hey, I put on 20 pounds this summer. Well, it, it, it doesn't work. You put on 20 pounds in a summer, I don't care who it is, you're, something's affected by putting on 20 pounds. Is it a good 20 pounds or is it just 20 pounds because you need to put on weight? You don't gain weight. Just for strength, and you don't lose weight to get faster, right? Like oh, I had to I had to lose some weight to get faster. Well, that's not really ideal to, to getting faster. So it's everybody's an individual. Everybody's specific to to their game. I think the bottom line is you got to need to find the weight that works for your game, and you need to and you need to train that way. And and me understanding, trying to understand what type of player these guys are to try and help them train is a big part of it too.
1: So you look at a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You know, in Edmonton, whether he was placed in a situation, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Patrick Kane is a different story. I mean, Patrick Kane looks like the paperboy right now still. But he seems to have that wiry strength where he can protect himself from the puck. Where some guys, you look at
3: a guy like Nugent Hopkins, he doesn't seem to have it. So every body functions differently. Patrick Kane probably weighs 175 pounds, but he's yep. got that kind of weird he's got the old strength. man strength the way you would never guess it. Yeah. Everybody's different. So what would He's you say? He's carried the
0: puck his whole life, and I think that's the key. Like, Patrick Kane has had a puck on his stick his whole life. Just like you, Roy. No, not like me. <laughs> I, did, I, I had, didn't have it. I had it in around, my, around the blue. That's about when I wanted it. But, but it, guys that handled the puck all the time, you look at Jarmi Yager. He said this to me in the 2004 All-Star game. His dad made him do every drill his whole life with the puck. Sure. Interesting. He never did one drill in his life as a kid without the puck who's the hardest guy that you could get the have to get the puck from maybe ever, yeah. ever. him ever. or forsberg maybe, maybe. ever the like, sergei makarov was one of those guys like a fire hydrant you couldn't lift his stick to get the puck yeah. and and yarma yarga was like that because they've handled the puck their whole life look at crosby the stick and the puck are like part of his body mm-hmm. and, and they do
1: a, everything at a high rate
0: high rate it's, it's just like it's all one right so it's Amazing. interesting
1: because you know when you look at a guy like Nugent Hopkins, you know everyone says, "Well, he needs to put on 20 pounds." But like you say, it, it's got to be 20 pounds that's conducive to his body. It's got to be smart weight. Yeah,
2: it's got to be smart weight. Gary Roberts in studio for the full hour. We'll continue to touch on the off season, get his thoughts on the Maple Leafs going into a new season. This is Leafs Lunch, TSN 1050.
1: This is TSN 1050, Toronto. You're on TSN
2: 1050, and this is Leafs Lunch.
1: Text your comments to the show anytime at
2: 105050. Well, Eager is gonna fight with Gary Roberts across the way. There was no penalty coming up to Eager. Wow. And so now, Roberts decided to take him to task with some lefts, my goodness. Gary Roberts just throwing the lefts on Ben Eager. This is a man who is 41 years of age. Gary Robertson, in studio. What were you doing fighting Ben Eager at 41?
0: He told me I was old. He, I was making a line change, and he said, Roberts, you're so old, just retire. <laughs> and said. then I left my gloves on the bench and stepped back on the ice and <laughs> called him off his bench, and he was, yeah, so, you know, some things you do do, and, and I didn't do a lot of fighting later in my career, but the odd time... I think it was good to continue to do it so younger players knew that I still had that side of me if I had to. Don't mess around. Yeah, well, I didn't really. I was smart enough not to take on any of their heavyweights and get killed. I did that a little bit when I was younger, and then uh, fortunate to play with great players like a Joe Neuendijk and a Sergei Makarov and a Hock and Lube. And, and uh, having an opportunity to play with really skilled players, I think, helped me understand that I was more than just a tough guy. How
1: good was Sergei Makarov?
0: I, I, I went to the Red Army screening last night.
1: Oh, did you? You went to that movie? I went,
0: went to the movie last night. And i got to say, Sergei Makarov told me a lot of stories. Uh, in 1989, September, we picked Sergei Makarov on our, Mos- our Moscow tour. We picked him up in, in Russia. He invited Joe Nunez and I to his, to his uh, penthouse apartment. I'm like, wow, this is the Wayne Gretzky of Moscow, of, of the Red Army team. Went there, and Joe and I went shoulder to shoulder in this elevator. Could barely get us to the top. <laughs> and didn't know if we were gonna make it to the top. And we got out, and he had about a, I think he had about eleven, 10, maybe a thousand square foot apartment, that was his. And he got that penthouse because of who he was. And his wife had a little piece of land outside of Moscow that she grew her own vegetables, and she brought fresh vegetables and made us a, a nice home cooked meal. And uh, he had a little trophy room with all his crystals, Sergei Makarov. And he told me all these stories about ticking off and about how they were treated in Russia, and. He was an unbelievable hockey player. If you look at the year I scored 53 goals, Sergei Makarov assisted on, I think, like 39 of them. Like I'm like, Nui, you've been killing me, buddy. Like, you've been killing me for years. But this guy was that good, and when I saw the story last night, it was really neat to see... Uh, how the Russians, the, the Ice Hockey Federation, how they brought up these young kids and how they put them in programs, and it was a nation program. It wasn't like, a, you know, the Markham Waxers or the, or the Simcoe Express. It was one nation's organization to develop young hockey players, and you wow. can see why they were, at one point, mm-hmm. the best players in the world.
2: Were those Flames teams the best teams you ever played on?
0: I would say so, yes, for sure. We had an opportunity in Calgary, I think, to win more Stanley Cups. And I know you hear that all the time, right? But uh, they started making some changes that didn't feel they could they could handle the the salaries where they were going, and um, they made a they made a bunch of changes that we lost our core of our team. Uh, but we had probably the best team, uh, you know, to that whole smite Division with Calgary, Edmonton. Every year, uh, we were we were playing uh, at the top of uh, the league for a few years in Calgary
2: and had a pretty enjoyable run in Calgary. It's pretty wild, too, when you think about it. Habs-Flames Cup Final. was 25 years ago. Now there's like one Canadian team in the playoff every year. And I think most people are going into this season expecting probably only the Habs are going to get in. I mean, the Leafs might be a bubble team. Maybe Vancouver bounces back. But do you think that'll ever happen again where we'll see Canadian teams kind of dominate? Is it cyclical or... Is it just different where now it's, you know, players stay in the States, they want to be in the States, and that's that. Players yeah. are
3: younger. They get an opportunity to play where they want at a younger age, and it doesn't seem like they're really picking those Canadian-type markets.
0: Yeah, it surprises me, really. Like, I think, for me, being a Toronto Maple Leafs was one of the greatest uh, things that happened to me in my career. Uh, to be in a market that acknowledges uh, hockey players and, and the game, and are passionate about it. Not that the American cities aren't. I mean, I was in Pittsburgh and I thought that was as close to a Canadian city as I as, as I have been. Uh, but I am surprised there's not more players that want to play in Canada. Uh, and, and unfortunately, maybe it's just the way it is. Uh, you know, luck of the draw. Uh, parody is everywhere in the league. It's pretty tough to pick your Stanley Cup winner right now or your top five. Um, yeah the LA Kings have been great but how tough is it to get there every year and win? Mm-hmm. they've been they've been fortunate Chicago's been fortunate but I don't think even with young players I think it's tougher to
2: get there every year Any insight on your boy Steve Stamkos coming here in 2 years? Uh I I hear nothing. No. You hear nothing? <laughs> <laughs> you know there's nothing I mean, on
0: that. For me I'm hey I I I take care of Steve in the summer and train him and he's a wonderful guy and uh comes from a great family, does his work, but, you know, as far as that goes, I'm sure he's look uh, look looked like all the young players that Jeff just talked about. Uh, there's lots of money out there for those players, especially when you're in the top two or three players in the National Hockey League. Uh, he'll get his money. It'll just be a matter of where it ends up happening, um, but I'm sure he, you know, he's open to many options.
1: You've played in this market. You talk about it. You live in this market. You know, is there anything to it as far as, you know, being in the fishbowl, the type of pressure that goes on, so that you would see the players from the outside. I'm sure in, in, you know, you've trained so many players, I'm sure that everyone has an opinion of what it's like to play in Toronto. I mean, you and O-Dog have played for the team, Yeah. but the perception from players outside, I mean, do you sense that there's... You know, guys that get down on it because you're in that fishbowl, and they see the way that guys get traded, the commissarics. The, you know, David Clarkson had a tough season last year. He takes a a beating in the media, so he's earned it. But I'm just saying, like, have you have you do you pick up any rumblings from the players from the outside?
0: Yeah, I think over years, if the if the players that are are free agents are looking at where the team was last year and where they're heading, um, you know, I was fortunate I was here to to come to Toronto when they had a pretty good team. And we were a hundred-point team every year. Yeah, we didn't win, but we didn't take a lot of heat because we weren't we weren't a very good team. We just, as Jeff said earlier, we didn't have a system. We were we were we had a lot of fun. We were free to do what we wanted, uh, as far as a system goes. And Pat Quinn showed a lot of loyalty to his players. Um, but the bottom line is, in tight games, we didn't win because we didn't have a good system. That's why Carolina beat us in 02. Uh, they just had a better system, and we beat ourselves eventually is what happened. Uh, nowadays, I just think the, the the players are looking at it going, boy, are the Leafs going to struggle? Am I going to be the guy that takes all the heat next summer? Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'd say players look at the history of where the team's at and, and their win-loss record, and, and do they think they're going to be a... Uh, you know, if if you're winning in Toronto, it's the best city in the world to play in. Yeah. Sure. If you're in last place... It's the worst city to be in. So right now, they haven't had a great track record, so I would say yes, players are probably looking at it and saying,
3: do I really want to play in Toronto? What do you think of this team right now? What do you think it might lack, or what do you think it needs? Can it do anything? Can it go far? What are your thoughts of the Maple Leafs? Well,
0: I'd say for for me, I'd like to see a Toronto Maple Leaf team that <clears throat> is a little harder to play against. You, <laughs> no know, you know what I mean? Like, when you came from the end into the ACC, they should know that they're in for a hockey game. And I know, I'm not talking about... The Broad Street Bullies, you know, or the Bay Street Bullies. But the bottom line is they need to be tougher to play against at home, on the road. And, and, and I think they've tried to do that with their identity this summer. I think they've added some grit to their lineup. They've added a, a, a big D. Um, they need to be tougher around their goalie. And they need to be—they need to be
3: all in all a, a tougher team to play against. If you were David Clarkson's teammate, what kind of advice would you offer up to him struggling the first year? Uh, he is a talented player. There's no question. He was very good in New Jersey. Did not play well <laughs> last year. What would you say to him if you were sitting beside him in the locker room?
0: Yeah, if, I mean, we—I know David. Uh, you know, not—we don't see each other much, but uh, I've, I've spent some time with him, and he's trained a little bit with me over the years and uh, really a quality guy, and I think uh, his character will show this year. For him, I think he came last year and and tried to do too much, right? He tried to really earn that that salary like we all do when we sign a new contract. We feel like we need to make an impression right away. He felt like he had to make an impression right away and took a 10-game suspension. And then that ten-game suspension, I think, hurt him as far as getting off on the right foot. You know what it's like: miss some training camp, miss some games, before you know it, you're behind. And I think he struggled from then on. But he's just got such great character. He's such a great person. I think David Clarkson's going to turn around and have a have a better year this season. But sure. you have to put him with the players for him
2: to succeed too, right? You know? And that's yeah. the key. Gary Roberts in studio. Uh, what do you make of the heat Dion Fanuff takes in this market? Well, I'd say.
0: Um, you know, unfortunately, Dion doesn't come across in interviews, and a lot of people look at his interviews and and look at what what they see. You know, we all, even as players, you look and you say, you know, is this guy a, a, a leader? Is he a good guy? And unfortunately for him, when he when he when he's interviewed, he just doesn't seem like he's. You know, for me, it just doesn't seem like he he shows that passion, that 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 excitement to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, and, and unfortunately for him, also, is that you look at the captains, past captains of the Toronto Maple Leafs, are some pretty special captains, and I recognize that it's a tough act to follow, and the, and the, and the market's changed, and they have struggled, which makes it tougher for the captain to, to deal with the media every day, and I'm sure he's got a lot of pressure every day to, to answer those questions, and probably gets fed up with some of them. Um, so, in, in, overall, I don't know him very well, so it's not fair for me to really talk about Dion Phaneuf other than the fact that as a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you are expected to be be honest and, and forward and engaging. And I think that's, for him, what he needs to try to do, even if it's outside
2: of his personality. He's the captain of the team, and he's got to try and make people around him better. Yeah, because perception becomes reality, right? Like people... Because he usually is very very monotone. I mean, he does step up. He'll, he'll say what's on his mind, but a lot of it is... Is cliched. A lot of it is just monotone, regardless if you win five nothing or lose five nothing. And
1: we were talking about it off air just before. I don't think he's a very good interview at all. I think Phil Castle's terrible and I think Dion is just above that because I think he's just so guarded on God, you you say one thing outside the realm and that's what people cling to. Yeah, right? well there's
3: being guarded and there's also just BS. You're right. And the and, BS and right. is what rubs people, old-school people, the wrong way.
1: You're right, 100%. I, I think sometimes, to Gary's point, you come out and show some raw emotion and say, I'm pissed off because of this, this, and this, and, geez, I need to play better. And that's what people want, want to hear as opposed to,
3: oh, we're just going to stay the course and we're going to we're gonna get it back. You're stay right. Stay the course. The course you're on is, is going off the cliff. So don't give me the stay the course
2: nonsense. But now would just you believe au- it? That's the, would you believe him now if he came out? Probably not, because it would be out. disingenuous. you probably think it would be, yeah, I, that's, and that's, that's probably that, You know what? I like that. Is he
1: at a point where, like you say, it doesn't matter what you do or say, there's that preconceived notion?
2: I think for a lot of people, they've made up their minds on Dion, and that's yeah. it. And well, I mean,
1: you've said it before, 29 years old. Are you you know, are you changing your play? Are you changing your attitude? Are you changing a lot of things? Or if there's other people that can help you along in this process.
2: Well here's how you get the best help and it gets back to Gary's point. The team has to win. Yeah. You want people to start turning in his direction. If they start winning games, make it to the playoffs, maybe win a round mm-hmm. or two, all of a sudden mm-hmm. people are starting to change their tune. He I don't think it's- under the carpet exactly because that's what people are focused on and and you mentioned you brought that point up Gary like we we forget because it's so foreign it's been like 9 years since 04 yeah. right it's been 10 years now they have they've played 7 playoff games in 10 years so you forget about you guys rocking up 100 points every year and and people now just always believe it's always an impossible market to be a part of well if you start doing something different i think people's reaction will be different at the same time people start perceiving the team differently if you start giving them something to change their minds on yeah i think
1: well, that's what it comes down to when rob says you know some of the moves in the off season, i i don't think anybody would disagree that you want this team to be tougher to play against in this building you know the acc so many times we've fired darts at the crowd you know these uh, the platinums are empty t- till 10 minutes in you know into the game into the first period but if the team is tough to play against and you're up one nothing or two nothing in that first period, you know, they'll come into their seats or the other team doesn't care. If they're down one nothing and it's they're in for a game, they know ACC regardless of the fans in the stands is tough to play against.
2: Right. Cuz the team they're playing against. And
1: it's like like I say, it's not the fighting, it's just the compete level. Right. That's the biggest thing is is, you know, maybe guys like Komarov can help drag some of these guys into that, that compete every shift where it's not an inconsistent effort physically or that 50-50 battle in the corner where you know, hey, man, they're going to come out with the puck because they, they want it more.
2: Gary Roberts in studio. We talked about this earlier in the week, the power of coaching in this day and age. How has it changed from back when you guys played to where it is today? We'll uh, ask Gary Robert, Roberts his opinion on that and much more coming up. This is Leafs Lunch, TSN 1050. Face off.
0: One by Troy. Try Scott!
2: The great Bob Cole courtesy of CBC Gary Robertson, studio first shot
0: of the night in Triple OT gosh I don't like when he said that to me I'm like God did I only have one didn't have a shot up the end? this right. was too busy in the corner getting Matt's the puck right <laughs> it was a big one though
2: Triple OT do you remember that one
0: oh I do remember yeah there like you say there's some moments in your career that uh, that stand out and that was definitely a, a highlight of mine uh, being a Toronto Maple Leaf and scoring that goal in in Toronto and you know a lot of people don't know the story but I'll be quick uh, after that third uh, after the second overtime, <clears throat> I went into Pat's office and I stood in front of him. I said, Pat, we got nine forwards with our legs over the boards waiting to go on the ice. Because <laughs> we were matching lines and it was like almost too many men every shift. Really? And, uh, and he basically looked at me and told me just to relax and go back and sit down.
1: <laughs> Did you word it in, in those exact words? Well, not you... exact words, but
0: <clears throat> similar, similar words. And uh, so I went back and, and said all the boys, well, I walked in a room, I remember walking in, the guys, said, how'd that go? I'm like, it's just a game, boys, relax. <laughs> and I sat down and uh, then fortunately enough, uh, I think scoring the goal probably, you know, Matt Pat probably wasn't quite as upset with me. No, I wouldn't day. think so. I wouldn't Uh, think
2: so. Big goals. Oh, you always talk about that. The OT goal (laughs) you scored in that series back in '02. Mm -hmm. Got you a new contract and some love within the organization.
3: Hey, it's... Every player in their career has moments where it kind of... You know, I'm sure Boston series a couple years ago with the Toronto Maple Leafs, everyone was wondering if Phil Kessel could perform in the playoffs. And he did.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: But can he do it again? Can he take his team to the next round of the playoffs? It's always... The expectations never end. You score 20, they're going to want 30. You score 30, they're going to want 40. You always have to try to prove yourself year after year, and that's what everybody's under the gun every year.
2: Uh, Gary Robertson, studio. We were talking about this um, earlier in the week, and I guess throughout the hour we've kind of talked <laughs> about this, the young guns and, and where we are in the game with big contracts, locked-in contracts, and uh, a lot of players' deals, especially the higher-end ones, have full no-movement, full full no-trade no clauses. Um, how did, throughout your career, the, the power of the head coach changed? Did you see it develop? Because we were talking about that earlier in the week where you guys were saying when you were coming in the league, they could send you to the minors and not think twice. They could trade you. They could cut you. Now it feels like it's a different ball game, where a lot of the players have the majority of the, uh, the power. Did you see that kind of morph throughout your career? I, I don't
0: think so. I think as a player, no matter how much money you're making or how long a deal you sign, yes, you learn over time. Um, you might not always like your coach, right? But you need to re- you need to respect that he's he's trying to do the best job he can for the hockey team. And we all complained about coaches over the course of our career. And you know, probably all sitting here today thinking, how many really good coaches did I play for? And it's usually one thing that a coach does. That I find that that is is. You know, they, they used to do everything right, but there's one thing that coach does that makes him the coach that he is, right? Where, you know, Paul Maurice, I thought, was a great great communicator in Carolina. I thought, you know, overall for me, um, and we didn't win a lot of games in Carolina, but overall for me, I think he was the most organized, respectful coach that I had in my career.
1: Really? That's interesting because you've had some great coaches. Uh, yeah,
0: and, and Dave, they were a guy like Dave King. Uh, was not a great communicator, really sarcastic. Uh, absolutely you know you you'd get tired of him in about two weeks mm-hmm. right <laughs> or, or Terry Chris was a f- fun guy who just absolutely we did the same breakout every day for six months <laughs> right every we we, we could have done practice blindfolded. We won a Stanley Cup because he was he just opened the gate, played his players, showed some loyalty. Uh, that way and so like over time coaches have changed I would say and it's tougher probably when you have a 23 year old kid that's got an 8 year $60 million contract it's tougher maybe to motivate that player but the bottom line is the the only motivation or the only hammer the coach has is the ice time of the player
3: well Randy Carlisle came out last year and said if you've got a big long term contract on this team you're probably going to play in the power play maybe he needs to get away from that philosophy (laughs) and have some accountability There has to be accountability, and and that accountability, we talk about leadership. That
0: accountability comes from within the dressing room. Sure. If you look across at your teammate and you know you're letting your teammate down, that's the first red flag for you as a person to say, holy crap, I'm letting but this But Roy, guy I don't think
3: some of these kids, they don't even think about those types of things.
0: Well, I, I, I've The, the me, idea
3: of letting your teammate down, I don't even know if it crosses some of their minds. I
0: think it was my biggest fear as a player that my teammates didn't respect me. Yeah. And every time you talked about every year having to go back and reprove yourself, that's what you're reproving. You're saying, okay, I had a good year last year, I gotta, I gotta be as good or better this year because that's what my teammates expect me. And that's it everything else whether it's the media the coaches uh, your family you know i'd say your teammates and your family that are the two people that you need to continue to earn their respect every year and i think that's what as a player today i think every young player needs to needs to do that in september look at not just goals and assists but how are they going to help the team win and and if they do that i think collectively there'll be better culture inside the dressing room and there'll be more wins
3: to show for it Robs, what do you think of this new analytics move where these stats people seem to want to stake claim in the game? What are your thoughts on that, or do you have any?
0: Well, I mean, listen, um, we all look at the game sheets. We all look at the shots on net. Yes, you could take those 40 shots or 50 shots and say, okay, well, you know, 15% of them were actually from a good shooting area on the ice, and 85% of them were were dog shots that would never yeah. have gone in if your mother was playing goal like you can you can you can analyze that to death you can say in the video your stick should be six inches over here when it was really six inches in the wrong direction the puck got by and you got scored on on a, on a penalty can. like I, I think you can analyze the bottom line you talked about instinct and and knowledge of the game and and understanding where to be at certain times I don't think that changes in players. Some players get it. Some players don't. And analytics and video are only going to only going to show you so much.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you know it is tied to everything now. And and for me, I treat it like a, a another piece of of the pie. And you can never stop learning in this game and having knowledge. You know that's that's my biggest thing. And uh, you know quickly. So you said that. Paul Maurice was the best coach. I hate to throw people under the bus, but I knew Mike Milbury was my worst coach in my National Hockey League career. Is there anybody else that you would uh, say that struggled, to put it that way?
0: Well, I mean, like I say, it's it's public knowledge for me. Like, Pat Quinn was a loyal, loyal guy and a a good man. And I would never, I'm not throwing Pat Quinn under the the, the, uh, bench, but... If we talked about having a system, and we were pretty free, we were pretty free to do what we want. But we had those special players. We had Alex McGillanie. We had Matt Sundin. We had, we had uh, Nick Antropoff. We had uh, Olin Nolan. Like we had Ronnie Francis, Glenn Wesley. We had, remember that year, and yeah, we had like we had a lot of players that have the ability to be creative. And I think as a coach, that's that should be one of your goals, is to let the players be creative that can be creative. But if you're a player that can't under be... Under a system, though. Under a system. But if you're a high-risk player every night, eventually that's what cost us the 2002 playoffs. We took too many risks and eventually paid the price for it. You know, my good friend, Brad McCrimmon, who's no longer with us today, yep. called me when he was pre-scouting years ago. And he says, you know what? You are the hardest team in the NHL to do any pre-scouting. And I said, why? He said, every line does something different. That might, exactly,
3: that might actually be the biggest indictment on a hockey team, when every line does something different.
0: Every line does something different. I have no clue what you guys are doing out
2: there, but he said, I'll tell you what, Roy, he says, you're fun to watch. <laughs> That's
1: awesome.
2: I think he spoke for a lot of people. Those teams were a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the gym is Gary Roberts High Performance Center. The website is fitnessinstitute.com. Uh, We had a blast. We appreciate you popping in. Thanks so much, and we'll have to do it again soon.
0: Thank you, guys. Have a great winter. Look forward to watching some hockey.
2: There he is, Gary Roberts. Uh, Final hour of Leafs Lunch coming up. We'll get into some of the odds out there pertaining to the Canadian teams going into this new season, and Saku Koivu hanging them up. We'll tell you about that as well. This is Leafs Lunch, TSN 1050.